0: Alright, welcome back everyone to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Last week we chatted with our very own Amanda's husband all about the, we had such a genuine discussion too. Like I really, really enjoyed it and we talked about the topic of men's mental health. And I think we're even going to be kicking off like a monthly series with him and some other males talking about um, men's mental health. So stay tuned for that. And we'll announce some more whenever some more details come about. But this week we welcome uh, Kelsey Beal. She's gonna be sharing with us today how trauma impacts our sense of self in a very small nutshell for the sake of my introduction. So Kelsey, if you don't mind, go ahead and give us a little bit of an introduction, maybe describe your background a little bit in wellness.
1: Yeah, hi everybody. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me today, Kelsey. I'm excited to be on here. Nice. Uh, So I, I feel a little like I'm still a baby in mental health, and yet when I think about the years that I've been doing it, I realize I've been doing it a lot longer than I thought. So I... I have a background in clinical social work and specifically with individuals and families. And my experiences have been really vast from when we've in a little jail to survivors of trafficking to children in a behavioral center. And those have really given me these awesome tools and snapshots into trauma and the different ways people experience it and express it with and so that's kind of what I bring to the table. A lot of different experiences, even all across the country, I've lived in Colorado and Michigan and Los Angeles and Ohio have so also been able to see how seasons impact mental health, how we're using your um, socioeconomic experience. Um, the color of your skin I've really gotten to see how all those intersections impact trauma and it definitely informs the work I'm doing so I'm excited to talk a little bit about it today
0: yes I'm so excited you also do some EMDR as well correct I think
1: I, I do yes
0: yes I thought so so we will have to, I've been super curious about it, even though I'm, I'm sure it'll come up in today's discussion, but I thought you did that as well. So um, did you always, you know, I get the question and our, our listeners as well always wonder, like, did you just kind of gravitate towards, you know, intensive trauma work or like did what led you to kind of specializing in that, like as a part of just your overall role right now?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, some of it is just experience, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's personal experience or it's working with people. Trauma was so interwoven with the fabric of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I would see these beliefs that people hold, these negative cognitions or these thoughts they have about themselves. So when we feel it back, it always trace back to trauma. <laughs> it always back. And trauma is big trauma, little trauma, right? So it could be like a massive event that someone can point to, but it also can be just the tiniest thing that when it happens at the right moment in time, it stays there. Mm-hmm. it's stable. Like so I guess people mistake that trauma has to be some big life altering thing. It's mm-hmm. really just, I would give the example um, a five year old left home alone and feels abandoned a teenager left home alone there's a party mm-hmm. where we are and how old we are when i'm hearing absolutely
0: i like that i mean amanda and i we use a lot of analogies or examples and that's a good a good way of showing both sides of those different types so thank you for that yeah All right, so just to to jump in, can you go ahead and explain for us what does it mean, what is integration when we talk about healing and engaging in therapy?
1: Yes, I was trying to think of how to succinctly say this. Um, So integration, how I explain it to clients is it's us controlling what parts of ourselves we show up like. It's Mm -hmm. us being a whole person and kind of engaging with the world as our full self rather than our different parts reacting. Mm -hmm. So um, you know Aaron Weinstein. So Aaron, a colleague of mine, uh, he gave me a great example of it's a school bus. And it's us having all of our parts on the bus. And when we lack integration, um, parts jump in the driver's seat and take over. So maybe we have our uh, addiction part, or we have our five-year-old part, or we have our um, protector part. And so what happens when we lack integration, they jump in the driver's seat and something happens, and they just go, 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 go are um, uh, integrated we can see our bus as a whole and go all right who needs to be in the driver's seat
0: we have more control over over, over that
1: yeah we get to say oh maybe if you go to our protective self and our compassionate self just so sit in the driver's seat and talk to this child right now rather than our ranger who's mad about something that happened mm-hmm. it, it's more of a and it's awareness rather than a reaction to the world.
0: Okay. Do you mind me? And maybe this will fall into another question in a minute. Um, but if it does, tell me that that'll come up in, later. But can you explain for our listeners what you mean by parts or how parts yes. of us are formed?
1: Yes, that's a great question. And even if it's another question, we can, I think it's a great question. Uh, <coughs> Uh Um, so there's a the brainy kind of technical side is there's a therapy theory called internal family systems Uh and the belief is that or the theory is that we have a bunch of subconscious parts that are acting or behaving um, on our behalf and they're meant to be positive, they're doing something for us right? so maybe the um, addictive part for example is helping us escape something we don't want right mm-hmm. its purpose is to protect us from things that are hurting us right um maybe the rager part us. He, mm-hmm. yes so they all serve us and all they are um think about it wearing different hats right so you have your therapist hat you probably have your student hat you maybe have your wife's hat um so if you don't want your wife's hat coming out at work, right? Right. So those are our parts. We have our child part. Maybe we have a 5 year old part that constantly feels um, powerless or scary. right? We don't want that coming out when we're in the middle of maybe a work meeting where we have to take a big presentation. Right. <laughs> so what happens is when we have trauma, um, those parts get fractured. Maybe mm-hmm. we're never taught to be a whole self, so we learn to use this part that works for us, so we've made for us, maybe we saw examples of what parts are valued, and so we allow those to kind of run free and wild, even if we don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our experiences. So our experiences because what parts um, we, we work, we don't work, for the rest of us. We I mean, have all these things happening as we grow up, and our brains and our psyches develop.ing um, And we're not really taught how to be kind of whole people. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so-, so we are.
0: So we net. I don't know if that's like the correct terminology, um, but we all have parts, regardless if we've been through big you know big t trauma little g it's like we all naturally have parts but then you add trauma in there and it can really impact those parts or you know kind of add more parts or alter things even more so
1: absolutely I mean think about something as simple as um maybe Someone has a part that's very compassionate and kind, but through trauma they were taken advantage of or they were shut down. Someone could completely shut that part up. They could lock that part of going in a room somewhere in their in their mind um, to protect themselves because it was abused and, and mistreated. Yes. And so, because, um, and that's the thing, our parts are not bad. Mm-hmm. Not a single part is bad. Mm-hmm. They've always communicated. So that's. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I love
0: that. Okay. Thank you. Um, to, to break. Okay, Kelsey. So you kind of touched on this, but maybe just in a little bit of a broader sense why is integration of those parts? so important for us I know you said so that way we can show up but I guess give us a little bit more of why that is so important
1: um so I think I think I initially said something like you know that we have control over how we engage with the world and I think that that's really important but I think the reason why integration matters, is because when we're, we become aware of our parts, we can start meeting our own needs. Mm-hmm. So we can start taking care of ourselves and meeting our needs and addressing those things because they're communicating, right? So if, for example, I know this sounds kind of odd and it's hard to um, showcase it in a podcast um, or video. So let's imagine that somebody has a we'll go back to that five-year-old part that feels really scared. Mm-hmm. So when that part doesn't have its needs met, it might disconnect it from, it might hide It so and um, It might, you know, not engage. it might shut down, right? That kind of lizard fight or flight response brain kicks in. If we are as soon as our true self, that five year old starts to go, oh wow, you're scared. What do you need? Then you start to be able to go, oh, I think that I need to go take care of myself. Or I think I need to go be around safe people. Or I think that I'm in an unsafe situation because otherwise, why would five year old me feel powerless to triggered them now? Mm-hmm. So we ultimately get to start meeting our own needs. And then as we continue to use those needs and take care of all of our parts, we then get, get to decide how we do their work.
0: Right. So it really helps kind of decrease any dysfunction or unhelpful ways of getting needs met. Like having, like you said, like those outbursts or reacting on emotion instead of really going underneath of what is that part of myself telling me that I genuinely need. The way that, that presents looks a lot different when we're integrated.
1: Yes, when we're integrated. So integrated, if you think about your body, it's the some of your parts. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between you're playing. So if you're unintegrated, you might be out playing soccer trying to kick the ball with your hand, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're integrated, you're like, oh, I'm going to take a step and kick the soccer ball with my foot. Yes.
0: No, side right and i liked how you said earlier the parts they're not they're not good and bad and the goal by the sounds of it isn't it's not to take to silence parts or to take parts away or it's like you said a minute ago the how communicating with them and bringing them together kind of work them working together instead of
1: against one another Absolutely, because I—I mean, I think there are sometimes our research is really um service well, mm-hmm. right? There, there, there's appropriate anger, and absolutely making sure it's coming out in a way that is appropriate and actually matches the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. It takes away that shame and guilt and just like maybe not completely, because like, 'cause we're human, you know, but in a sense it helps take some of that away so we can actually see the need instead of all of this stuff that's getting presented instead of the need.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really compassionate response to what's going on with that. Right. It, it acknowledges that we I think we're when, whether we were not culturally we kind of hold an event in a certain way and when we we don't present that day. we get king and we have to shut it down and stop. We don't. We're not taught to stop. Just, well, why did I do that? And what might I need in that? What What was happening there? What was my body saying? What emotions came up? What thoughts or beliefs? Were mm-hmm. Yeah, we just go straight to wrong behavior. Wrong, not speak well. Shut it down. Move on. Do These
0: are the expectations. These are things that. Other people expect of us, and I have to suppress my own, you know, essentially, I have to suppress my own parts. We're suppressing them, but not integrating them. We're, we aren't taught how to do that part.
1: Yeah, no, nah, yeah, we're not, we're not examples. Really no, absolutely not.
0: That's why I was so excited for today because I was like, this is a different. Kind of perspective on things that I feel like not many, I mean, even just in general households, like no necessarily, you know, no harm is necessarily meant, but it's just a generational thing that, you know, we know, we do what we know until we know better. Yeah. So it's good to know, you know, for others moving forward and if they have children or just a trickle down effect of, oh, that's important. Like those parts are trying to serve us a purpose. We need to kind of tune into them.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. I I do um, an exercise with clients. Sometimes it's called externalizing. Mm-hmm. And so I will, well, it could be a part. So we could be talking about the five-year-old self. We could also be talking about their anxiety part, right? Mm-hmm. Anxiety is a part of them. It's not them. <laughs> You're not our anxiety. And so I have them actually pretend that anxiety has left their body and is sitting in a chair next to them, mm-hmm. and I have them draw. I'm like, all right, what does it look like? So they draw it, and then we start asking it questions. So I say, okay, so what kind of things is is anxiety saying? Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, what does anxiety feel? Like, what does it itself feel? Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, what what is its goal? <laughs> what does it want They they want to protect you does it want to ruin your life what is it uh-huh. um and then we move forward to um well what kind of things do you think it is? Mm-hmm. and then I asked them I was like well is there anything that you want to give to anxiety or draw on your pictures or like you now know what that's um and clients always they're able to have compassion on their anxiety. They actually get to try to meet its need in that exercise. It's really fascinating. And we've externalized it. We've made it not their entire self, but just this part of themselves. It feels them unmanageable. Mm-hmm. So okay. I love-
0: yes, it's so common. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, all right. And we can individuals like when they come to a place very often, not always, but they feel like they have just succumbed to their symptoms or the thing, those things that they're experiencing. So I love the externalizing aspect of that, but also they're looking at it in a, like we said earlier, compassionate way instead of focusing on, okay, this is me. This is causing this overwhelming impact on my life. And I have no control. It's a way of them treating themselves essentially. It's like they're treating themselves with the things that they need. In that exercise of, okay, what does it what does it need? What's its goal? And because it is a part of us. So if we can pay attention to what it's telling us its goal is or its needs, then holy cow, I can do that.
1: Yeah. Yep, or I can learn how or I can get support you know um, it becomes less this big thing mm-hmm.
0: right. I like to have them draw and stuff too I've done different like with my own clients like the drawing it and giving it it's separate identity I don't know if that but it's yeah. you know you're giving it this existence that's not just us
1: like mm-hmm. this is
0: what it looks like this is and it makes takes a little bit of power from it wow
1: yeah I think it's interesting for people because we're talking about integrating and part of integrating is actually looking at each individual part so it seems almost counterintuitive like they, they don't align um but it's almost like if I could go back to the body analogy the more that you understand what your hand can do and how it serves you the more you can use your appropriate yes you know, so if we don't understand its function, then, we, you know, we can't really use it, um, it might just use on its own. So that that's the best way I know how to explain it. It's just the more that we know and understand something, the the better it serves us. And the more that it is an asset rather than something that's harming us. Mm-hmm. And that in itself,
0: just hearing that, like that acceptance like okay anxiety if that was our example that's a part of it's a part of me how can it if it's a part of me I can't you know we're my goal is not to take it away or you know to just you know disown it or make it disappear but how can I you know have it serve me in a in a functional healthy way yeah that is just like that's very powerful because we're mental mental health and those symptoms are very framed as burdens or something wrong with us or this or that. So like you have to know you can't expect yourself to be integrated and functioning if we don't know what is it or what is it that we need to be integrated right now.
1: Yeah, or if we just shut apart down because we think it's bad. Mm If anxiety is bad and it just has to go away, well, then we essentially, um grab this lopped off the body part, right? Right. <laughs> Literally. No. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, yeah. so for me, like, I know, what do I know? I know that anxiety helps me um, you know what boundaries I need when yeah. it's overwhelmed and maybe it's taken on too much or I know that I don't like something that's happening in my life. Mm -hmm. Anxiety can serve me.
0: Yes. I love that. I I I have so many things swimming through my head right now. But I think it's a very powerful thing because it's like I have, I am and I have all that I need right now. I just need to kind of organize it and integrate it a little bit.
1: Yeah, yep. and figure out this. And so this is where EMDR for me comes in. Is we have behaviors, if we have memories, we have reactions that are very too mm-hmm. Right. I I could see maybe there of somebody being like, well, my anxiety is overwhelming. Yeah. Like, how do I get it to the point where it serves me? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, that's a twofold. in in, in treatment for me, that's um, skill building. Mm-hmm. right how do you set boundaries how do you hold gray how do you handle tension and somebody doesn't like you how do you decapacify things right so mm-hmm. all that comes up um but then there's also EMDR EMDR is a therapy that literally helps with free right passage in your brain um trauma gets stored in the wrong part of our brain mm-hmm. trauma gets stored in the part of our brain that um has no sense of and it's emotional. So yeah. It's a combination for trauma, right? <laughs> right.
0: the
1: mm-hmm. um, comes in and it, it moves your memory to the part of the brain that is rational, that understands it all the time, understands that this is now coming. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not in danger now. <laughs> I might have been then, but I'm not now, so now I can react to the So it mm-hmm. takes the charge out. So imagine that when we have PTSD, trauma, anxiety. I mean, it's tons of different disorders, but that we can approach situations without being charged mm. and have skills to handle it. And you have an awareness of how to meet our needs. Imagine that we have all three of us together.
0: I like to feel myself relaxed. And like, I'm not even like, you know, you hear that. And it's like, I can imagine that for so many people like struggling with feeling so overwhelmed by these things and and it literally you know is changes in our brain but we also have that neuroplasticity and this capability and these different types of treatments where you can you can do that you can you know kind of restructure things and it, it takes a minute It you, because it didn't happen overnight but it's the no sense of time but you can and you don't have to feel like you're just completely consumed by it and or chart like feeding off of that charge from it.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing to say confidently to clients. Like, you know, if, if you do this, what's Like, I, I can say that confidently. Mm hmm. Hard work, it's not fun, you feel exhausted. And, <laughs> but you'll, you'll feel better and you'll have the skills to back up that feeling.
0: Yes. this is so great. Okay. So we kind of touched on this, this one a bit, but just what for listeners... Mm-hmm. What cause a lack of integration? What causes all of these parts to be just kind of serving a purpose, but uh, but not being integrated and causing us that kind of dysfunction?
1: That you know, as I was thinking the time, that's such a complicated question, right? So because trauma fractures. There's we launch into our lizard brain. Mm-hmm. you know our fight, flight um three response and so there are parts that when trauma happens they they can't function there Mm-mm. right so maybe our our compassionate side or our, our personal side but that can't function in survival mode <laughs> so like, that part yeah. like, can cause that yeah i mean that just is like no you have to leave right now like you're not welcome here you're not a part that can be here. Mm-hmm. um definitely trauma i also think there are parts that are just surprisingly less valued um so maybe for example if we fix kind of the heteronormative narrative that happens in culture you know where men are not supposed to express feelings unless it's anger, right? Mm -hmm. So that could shut down an entire empathy part because it's not really um, welcome and valued. It's not fostered as when they're children and they grow up. It's not valued. It's being asleep, maybe. It's not, right? That's a narrative that's given. And so we have things like that culturally that are happening. You know, we may... um, Something that's really interesting in my practice, I talk very openly about suicide with people. Well, they're terrified of talking about it. People will think there's something wrong with them, they'll immediately be called to the hospital. So we see these kind of um, compartmentalizations that people are doing to survive. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a big reason that, that people end up. With a lack of integration. Mm-hmm. We're not taught how to do. I go back to, it, we're not taught how to be whole people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Um, even to take parts work out of it, like, we're not taught to pay attention to our body reactions paired with emotions, paired with our thoughts, right?
0: You're expected to just go, 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 we're kind of programmed to not pay attention to those things because they might be not so helpful or convenient or whatever for other people or other situations or, you know, it can go range from uh, somebody in a workplace to, you know, a child in a House of, you know, maybe there's domestic violence. You, like, we're not supposed to pay attention to those things. We're supposed to pay attention to all of these other things. And those, those parts, they stay there. And yeah. so they're always there, you know, until we can reach that place of integration of, okay, these things are a part of me and I do deserve to you know, feel that sense of safety, to feel that sense of control in a healthy way.
1: Yeah, well, don't say nail on the head. Safety is a huge key. It's so hard to be integrated when you lack safety. Yeah. I mean, because that is saying that you deserve to love yourself and show up fully as you are and that you're accepted in that. Yes. And that there's no shame in that. There's no shame in having a suicidal thought. There's no shame in, you know, being afraid, like a fighter. There's no, those are just acceptable things that are part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that are telling us what we need mm-hmm. and how to not help us navigate our world. And so, if we don't have that space to explore it, question it, because that's, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. all right and we it's not a common thing for us to feel safe to actually to look at it because it is so many of these things are like a taboo or a thing that we don't like we don't look at if we don't look at it it's not there right but it's, it's there and it starts to present in other very unhelpful kind of ways until we Take that shame and all of those, you know, kind of aspects away and say, okay, kind of stripping it down and saying, if this is causing me these, and you have to figure out what, like, that's why it goes back to like, you have to pay attention to and kind of unpack what parts are what, what parts telling me what, and Mm -hmm such an interesting... I mean, I do parts and bits and bit like, in my own practice, so it makes sense to me. But for other listeners, that's why I was so excited for today, because I don't feel like it's framed this way very often, because people aren't taught this, like, on a, you know, a common type of basis, so.
1: Yeah, it's... Well... Okay. We're not taught. <laughs> um and I love what you said there. You said when we our parts will come out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. They really will. And I think the, the parts that we deny a lot um tend to come out in very disastrous ways. <laughs> um and that's why I think we get we get on our parts, right? Yes, one hundred percent. But it's it's just that they they try getting their needs met the right way and that didn't happen so they're almost like demanding attention in a way.
0: You need to go to anger management or see, you know like he's explosive or like this like another this an example of like you said those narratives that are given to somebody who is you know behaving or you know reacting instead of kind of tuning in. They, Maybe they tried to do that, but whatever happened along the way, and it wasn't safe to do that. So this is what I've learned to do. That's what my part tells me to do, in order to get any, any, even a part of that need met.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, I think it's, um, it's a really brave thing for us to start acknowledging our parts. It's also, I think, one of the most loving things we can do for ourselves. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting as I work with people because. It's, you know, kind of a catch-22. As their self-esteem increases, they feel safer and more competent to engage their parts, right? Because it is an act of self-love. And as they continue to engage and give love to their parts, they also increase in self-esteem and confidence because they know themselves better and they feel better about themselves and they have this very deep compassion. Mm-hmm. For themselves so that
0: that they probably never had, or, you know, even had probably modeled for them, you know, even outside of themselves Correct. Oh, this is so great. Okay. So, and another thing that always comes to my mind, I'm getting, not to get off on another thing, but safety. I feel like in our society, if we talk about feeling safe, I feel like that has kind of a, a generalization to it of, my environment's unsafe you know maybe there's a lot of shootings or like something like that and I'm like no like in our field you know and I love teaching people that safety is a whole lot more than just physical or external or environmental safety so it's like emotional safety you know like am I in a household where because everybody thinks like if I wasn't physically hit I wasn't abused or you know so I, I that this really touches on the multiple aspects of, of safety. And how do I create that for me in the present? How do I be in the present and, and have this safety need met? Because I'm not in those emotionally um, unsafe moments anymore.
1: Yeah, actually, I would love to hear your because um, this actually comes up a lot for me. I have a lot of different people who like edit my blog posts and stuff, and they'll always be like, "Wait, well, I know that like maybe your generation might think about like word safety, but other generations like that do something different or people." So, what would be your definition of safety for that would apply to kind of the whole range? Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not good at, like giving like a succinct definition, but for me, like my perception of safety is a sense of peace or like acceptance Mm -hmm. of I can kind of bring anything to the table and I don't I might feel a little bit anxious because that part of that's natural but I I feel like I have a sense that I can like I said bring anything to the table and feel heard respected and even get support.
1: Yeah,
0: I like that. I I need, like, I just feel it's almost more of like a peaceful feeling that Mm -hmm. I envision for safety instead of because for some I've heard, like, just my own client experiences for them. In order to feel safe, it was modeled almost in like a violence. Like you have to, you know, be very um, aggressive or assertive to feel safe, and it's very interesting how people mm-hmm. perceive that and in what ways have they you know needed safety needs met
1: yeah mm-hmm. no, well, good- what
0: would you say what was yours I love that question
1: um I think so I would echo all of that I think if I did a sentence I would say the ability to be exposed and vulnerable mm-hmm. without perceived consequences Yes,
0: the consequence part that that reaction, whether that consequence is guilt, shame or abuse or, you know, having emotional feedback withheld like that can make us feel unsafe. It's like, holy cow, I was just so vulnerable in this situation or with this person and they blew me off or, you know, maybe they didn't shame you or like, you know, wag a finger, but they were kind of like, crap. yeah. And they didn't know how to sit with you in that. And to me, that's powerful to have that feeling of like, okay, I, I'm acknowledging that I'm sitting with this and have, if I need support, somebody else will, or like, yes, that vulnerability and not having, not feeling like we're going to immediately have some kind of consequence after it. Very good. Okay. So... Amanda and I, even though Amanda's not here, but all of us are obviously fellow therapists. So, and I don't know. And even if in a general sense for listeners, I guess that might be two separate questions, but then maybe we can make it a general kind of question. How do we help people work towards integration? Hmm. If We need to answer that separately. We can. So as fellow therapists, maybe we can start there.
1: So I think, um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, concept. So I guess, where do you start with your clients? Yeah, are your major starting points for them.
1: For therapists, I think it's one always developing trust. Like, they right, they have to have that safety in order to be vulnerable with their parts. Um. I definitely have done research and some training in internal family systems, parts Mm -hmm. work, and have my really handy-dandy parts book book that's illustrated and such really awesome examples of parts work. I love this book. Um, So for me, I think as a clinician, that would be something I'd recommend. Um, But I always really just start with, like, you know, that externalizing activity is always really good. Um, if I notice someone's feeling like they learning, like, how old is that? does that feel like? And they like, oh, that feels like a teenager. And we just explore teenage them and we really just start naming and identifying things. Um, if I am not a clinician and I'm at home I might start thinking about just starting to pay attention to yeah Mm hmm. I'm to recognize um, things where I feel like that wasn't my choice and how I reacted. It. That reaction didn't serve me. Right. I'm a parent, and so I'm always thinking about things from a parenting perspective now. Um, so, if, you know, I think about it with kids, I would be like, hey, what's, what's going on? Like, why do you feel that? What's happening here? What do you need? Or, you know, but. Self-parenting is also a great way to start doing that. Like, hey, what's going on with me? What do I need? Where do I feel that? Like, why am I, what's going on? So it's really about raising awareness. And sometimes people can start, you know, they can buy that mindful self-compassion workbook. That's one that, um, there's a book about self-compassion of how to take care of our parts. There's getting into therapy and starting to explore them with someone who knows um, but definitely, the practice of awareness pairs with self-compassion. Those are huge. We can go. We can go pretty far with it.
0: Those are good. I like those good first starting points. Like, even like you said, paying attention to our own reactions, and like you said, if you have a child, paying attention to that child's reaction, and because those reactions, if we can take away, like. We can kind of regulate our start to regulate ourselves and step back and say, "Okay, what's underneath that? What is there a need, or you know, what is the need underneath that?" Just starting there, it helps you tune into that to know to start to learn those things.
1: Yeah, and I think validating. I would go back to like how we would. a child is actually how we also teach ourselves, right? The whole reading thing, and then, yes. Yeah, if a kid's having a hard day and they're they're struggling, you know, we would want to value, oh, it feels like they're a tough day. What's going on. How can I comfort you? How can I care for you? How do I help you, right? Like, how do I help you get your needs met? What do you need? It seems like you need something. Yes. But so when we have those big feelings for like. No.
0: <laughs> and so for April. A- no- Other people have it worse. Like it's not that bad of a day. Ugh, like
1: Yeah. Well, at least nobody whatever today. You know, we we, we have a really we're really good at downplaying and denying. Yeah. Um, so that would be where I would start. Do you mind
0: um for our show notes to tell me like the name of that workbook, like the one that you held up? I like to put Put resources out for people if they think that it was.
1: Fun. So, there's this is hard work an illustrated guide to your inner life. Um, and that is by Tom Holmes, Lori Holmes, and Karen XC, or XC. Sure. Um There's a lot of different ones. I really enjoyed this one because it does, it has kind of these illustrated examples that kind of helps you get a feeling for. Bringing your parts to life. Mm-hmm. I
0: love that. And then you said, Is there one you said for like a self compassion book that you recommend to your clients as well? You don't have to have to hold up, but.
1: It's Kristen Nuff. I'm trying to see if I have it in here right now. Um, well, Kristen Nuff has a, a book and a workbook um, on mindful self compassion. Okay. Uh, that's one that clinicians um, so yeah. can do with clients. It's one saying clients. Or people, human beings, can read her um, work themselves.
0: Like a self-help, like anybody can use it. They're not just a trained clinician. <clears throat> Excuse
1: me. Absolutely, it's really ta- it's really about like <laughs> the difference between how we talk to ourselves and how we talk to our friends. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. No, thank you. We'll put those in the show notes for sure. So. Uh, is there anything before we wrap up that we always ask our our guests if there's anything any like last words or any kind of some people have like a quote that they refer back to or anything you want to leave our audience with before we wrap up today our main takeaway you hope people get from this that's another big one some people say
1: I think maybe a main takeaway or an thing. I I would encourage all of us to just be curious. Mm-hmm. Curious about ourselves your we'll story our hands uh, the impact we're having, the impact it's been had on us. Curiosity is, is our brain yeah. And allows us to make choices in how we engage in the world. So that would be something. um,
0: I love that because that just hits me. Not we're not to we're wrapping up, Kelsey. We're not getting into. (laughs) But this, Kelsey, I wasn't saying that to you. I was telling it to myself, Kelsey. (laughs) (laughs) To me, so curiosity hits me in a you're you're simply noticing or you're you know you're looking into you're exploring things there's no judgment there's no shame there's no consequence there's no and I feel like we don't, we don't get to be genuinely curious, but with little, little kiddos or little us, that part, you know, has is very often, very curious, very mindful and very, you know, present. So I think that's a, per- a perfect takeaway. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And we tell everybody if you ever have something else and you want to come back and join us again, you know where to find me. So we're always down for people to just keep coming back or there's a whole other topic or we can do a part two. We're always excited to have people back. So, but again, thank you for being here with me today. Um, Amanda will be back with us next week. She just wasn't feeling well. So um, next week though, we will be talking with Jean Bowen. She's going to be bringing us the topic of women in leadership. So we am really looking forward to that. And so, but don't forget to like, subscribe, share. If other people out there know someone or you yourself would like to be a guest with us, just send us a message and we can get you scheduled. I think we're scheduling out to about March i think april now so for 2021 but if anybody else knows of anyone and just make sure we're just trying to broaden our reach and get as much information out as we can so thank you again kelsey for being here with us
1: yes absolutely thank you no problem